Hi, everyone. I'm Anita Lustria, and for many years I did live radio. Then I transitioned to the podcast world where I feel I found my home. I love talking about spiritual formation, justice issues, and spiritual practices. Throw in the Enneagram, movies, and current events from time to time, and that's what you get on the podcast. I'm glad you've come along for the ride. Welcome to Faith Conversations. Welcome to Faith Conversations, everyone. Today, we are talking about a very important topic, uh, and actually one that I am guessing, if you are a person of faith at all, you're thinking about what's going on in our world, how uh, the rising costs are affecting ourselves. We tend to think of ourselves first, don't we? But what is the trickle down of that to people who may be on the margins, who may be struggling a little bit, if they were struggling before? Uh, they are beyond struggling now. So we're going to talk about what it might look like to reach out a little further in the world in which we live. And helping us to think about this and talk about this is Yolanda Fields. Yolanda joins me from Chicago. She is the executive director of Breakthrough Urban Ministries Confession. She's also a friend. I've known Yolanda for Wow, I don't know how many years, a number of years. My husband, Mike Murphy, used to work at Breakthrough Urban Ministries. Um, Yolanda is brilliant. I'm extremely excited to have her on the podcast today. So let's just cut to the chase and say welcome, Yolanda, to Faith Conversations. Thank you so much, Anita, for having me. I'm so excited to be able to have conversations that are always so lively and informative um, for me and I know so many others. Well, thank you. Thanks for taking the time. I know you're a busy woman. Breakthrough Urban Ministries is a large, significant ministry in Chicago. And, and I would love for you to tell people um, about the scope of Breakthrough, um, what you've been executive director for uh, a little over a year now, and um, which congratulations, if I haven't said that to you already, um, that is a huge job because the ministry has such a far reach. So tell folks who maybe are unfamiliar with Breakthrough what um, the ministry is all about. Yeah, so thank you so much for just allowing me to talk about the thing that I am so passionate about. We're celebrating 30 years. Can you believe that? No. And wow. I have been around for 20 of those years, and it's exciting. So the great um, and awesome thing that we get to talk about is the way that we have organically grown based on the needs that our community really has expressed to us. And so we are doing work in areas of youth and education development, economic opportunity, housing, health and wellness, violence prevention, and spiritual formation. And so our work is comprehensive. We believe that it really is addressing all of the areas of inequities um, due to the disinvestment in our community, but so many other communities across the country. And Yolanda, your community specifically is on the west side of Chicago. Um, and, and many years ago, 30 to be exact, which I can't believe uh, you're celebrating 30 years. Um, you, uh, the, the leadership at the time, decided to plant this ministry on the west side of Chicago um, because it was a community that at that time they felt needed a, a ministry, which obviously 
wasn't then what it is now, but but what decision went into choosing the place for a breakthrough urban ministries? Yeah, Breakthrough has a rich history. Our founder really responded to the call of of God on her life. And so she started on the north side of Chicago. And as she began to just go as God was leading, um, she was introduced to a community that was rich in history and resilient and beautiful and also had challenges. And so at the time, the decision was really to come and be able to provide Um, partnership for women who were experiencing homelessness. And as she did that, um, really literally going door to door to understand the needs, you know, like most communities, East Garfield Park said, yes, we will, you know, allow you to do a homeless uh, shelter. That's great. But here are the real needs that we have. We want to ensure that our children have a safe place to play, that they have access to enrichment and sports and all of the things. And so while we were first planning, you know, to provide services for those experiencing homelessness, she knew that at some point we would have to respond to the other express needs of our community. And so we've done that over the last 30 years. You know, I'm I'm thinking of people listening today, even that that um, are feeling a nudge to do something in their community. I in hearing you, it dawned on me. Often we will like run willy nilly into the future, uh, doing what we think is needed without paying attention to and talking with and surveying the needs that are in an area that we might feel drawn to when we what we think is needed may not at all be what is needed. Is that true? Yeah, I think it's more than true. And it not only is applicable to us collectively, but also individually. My own personal story, you know, really, I I started as a volunteer, but I was working, you know, in a for-profit, growing the revenue and bottom line of a telecommunications company. And when I showed up at Breakthrough, I showed up thinking, oh, my goodness, I've got so much to give and I am going to just do great things. I love that. (laughs) You know? And and the Lord showed me the reciprocal nature of showing up um, in a community that really is rich with resources. Um, and, and sometimes those are the resources that we need to be able to lean into what God is calling us to for our individual lives. And so this idea of pausing and hearing from a community what they are expressing as a need is the only way to do community development. Ooh, I just sit with that. The only way to do community development. Whew, thank you. And also, I forgot that you started working at Breakthrough first as a volunteer. Um, t- t- talk about your journey to the executive director uh, position at Breakthrough. What were the different posts that you held um, before this particular one? Yeah, it's a funny story that I like to tell often because I married a senior pastor and our church is located in the same community where we serve, East Garfield Park. Um, I decided uh, September 11th was a a turning point for me. And um, as I saw the second tower fall, I was on vacation. We were married September 22nd. And so I knew then that I could not spend another day growing, you know, somebody else's bottom line that I needed 
to make sure that my life counted. And so fast forward, after we were married, we were at Quarry Hurt, so I had no business there because I cannot sing. <laughs> but we were watching out of the window a full-size RV um, that really was out there ministering to women who were being sex trafficked. And that was my first experience with Breakthrough. And so, you know, being the nosy people that we are, we wanted to know why the white people were in the community and what they were doing. And so we introduced ourselves. And when we learned that, that actually is a passion that I've had for a long time to really minister to women who are in crisis. And so that was my first introduction, mm. the first place that I served. When I actually came on two years later, um, I led as the director of street outreach in that program. I did not know that. Okay. Yes. That was my first, you know, introduction in love at the same time that I was volunteering. I hadn't made the connection with Breakthrough and all of the other services that were being provided. That was done for me at KAA, a Christian camp that I had taken 30 of our kids to. Leaders from Breakthrough, uh, Marcy and Bill Curry were there. Wow. And so that was a additional connection. And so just my career advanced from director of street outreach to director of women's services uh, over the shelter and just all of the other things that came over the next 20 years. Mm. Um, yeah. As part of what God was calling me to. And I'm, I'm glad you shared this, that story because I'm thinking about you as a, a pastor's wife and a mom, you've got uh, two daughters and thinking, you know, you could have gone a number of different directions. You were in the corporate world. I mean, you, could have stayed there. You could have been a at-home mom. You could have invested solely in the church where your husband was a pastor. And, and yet you felt the call of God on your life to do something else. And you were drawn to something else. And you said yes to that something else. So I think that's also really exciting to hear your story. Um, because I think sometimes we can think we're a little crazy if we're feeling the nudge of God and it's uh, maybe people around us wouldn't understand or would wonder, what are you doing leaving this good job or wh whatever the case may be. I'm sure there were a few people that, you know, had a question mark uh, about what you chose to do. I don't know if they were bold enough to say anything to you. Maybe they were. <laughs> well, my husband is the first one. Um, <laughs> It was pretty clear he, he was pastoring the church and he was expecting me in this marriage to provide health benefits. And so the idea that I was planning to leave was certainly not at the top of his mind. But those were seeds that had been planted since I was really a young girl. And just watching my mom and my grandmother respond to needs in our community, being a part of a missionary Baptist church that took the mission piece really seriously. I have been exposed to opportunities for Christians to respond in tangible ways. Wow. And so 9-11 was a, it was a turning point where I think all of those things in my history converged to create this burning desire to respond to God's call to action. You know what, I, I have to say, um, one of the other things I think about with you this wonderful, strong female leader of a multi-million dollar not-for-profit ministry on the west side of Chicago, 
who has two daughters who are watching her, you know, watching you, um, the message that you're giving, not just to your daughters, which that's significant enough, but other young women. I mean, I love having beautiful role models to point to who are doing the work of God where they feel called. Uh, I, I don't, have you, have you seen uh, or felt some of the impact on your own daughters, uh, you know, just watching you do what you do? Yeah, you know, it, and you know this, that parenting is one of those things where we just plant seeds and we keep planting seeds and we keep planting seeds and we're praying that somebody else is watering and that eventually God will give the increase. And I think that's no different in my life. I can say the one thing that I take comfort in is that I am certain beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am doing what God has called me to. And so the opportunity to demonstrate obedience to him in front of them um, is the thing that really keeps me going when I am watching all of the other influences that impact their lives, right? And so this is such a time for all moms and dads, but I'm a mom of girls and I yeah. am certainly a girl mama. Yeah. I really <laughs> am. And I am watching all of these other things influence them and it breaks my heart because I feel like I have absolutely no control over them, no matter how much I try to control what's happening in my life. And so for me, I don't know if I am seeing the impact of that yet, but I do know that I am determined to be obedient and that I believe that that obedience um, will someday yield a return for God's kingdom in their lives. Um, I can rubber stamp that one a hundred percent. I, I, I am with you and I believe that, um, I, I don't always, or maybe not even often do I choose a word for the year, but this year, the word faithfulness just kept mm. coming back to me and back to me, back to me. And maybe it really is kind of goes hand in hand with obedience. Just, uh, I just had that sense, just step-by-step day-by-day, just be faithful, just be faithful to what God has asked you to do today just, and, and our adult children pay attention and watch that too. You know, I think we, we do forget sometimes that even when they're not no longer in our homes, that they're still paying attention and watching the way we live our lives. And I think it's not just our children, right? If we think about the faithful activity that we're involved in, that we don't see a result. I had the wonderful privilege this week of having a returning participant, a woman who had experienced homelessness and substance use for a number of years, come back and say, you know what, you were always so consistently encouraging. You never gave up on me. And I tell you, I have thought about her throughout the years a number of times. And to have her come back and say, I purchased a house. Wow. My relationship with my children has been restored. And I just want you to know that I came in today because I want you to know that you were a part of that story. And wow. when I tell you that wrecked me for the yeah. entire day, because we were planting seeds. I was just consistently telling her, I don't care how far you fall. God loves you. He has never given up on you, right? Like every time I saw her, because she was one of those women who left our shelter, who, you know, would be gone a year or two and then would return. And sometimes we just don't see the end of those stories or the end is not one 
that we had hoped for or prayed for. And so I just think there is this way that faithfulness is the only thing we can measure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the results belong to God. Yeah. Oh man. You can preach that all day long. We need to hear it too, because sometimes we plant the seeds, say the words when our own faith is a little low, we're saying it, it you yes. know, trusting God, but struggling sometimes to believe it ourselves, but still being faithful. I, oh, I appreciate that. Um, Yolanda, we, we've got to talk about what's going on in the world, in our communities, in our cities. And, you know, specifically, you're going to talk from your perspective there at Breakthrough. But I mean, this, what you say can be echoed over and over and over in cities and towns across this country and uh, sadly. But I think we've got to talk about, um, I would love to hear you talk about the challenges um, uh, these days of working in a community-based ministry that has issues of homelessness and um, educational struggles and you know, the things that you are addressing there, but what, what are the, what are some of the biggest challenges today? Uh, um, certainly one, the one that immediately pops to the forefront in my mind is, um, are the economic challenges today, which, uh, and uh, all right, I'm adding more and more onto this question. You could go wherever you want, but we're coming off of, or we're still trailing out of COVID, even though some numbers are again, going up in various communities. I think we're going to be living with this for a while and we just are, you know, I'm sure you all have learned how to, how to live with it there, but what, what are the challenges? It's pretty open-ended. There's a lot. Yeah. I, I think it's helpful to really set the context of, you know, the challenges that we face in inner cities across America. Chicago is no different. We certainly lead the way. There have been decades and decades and decades of disinvestment. And as a result, when we experience a national crisis, the result of that is felt in a different kind of way in our communities. Now, let me just in, insert a quick question for someone listening, and, they, and they've just not really heard a whole lot about, um, you know, cities, inner cities, some of the struggles, maybe they've just read peripherally, and they, they just heard you say disinvestment, and they're going, I'm not even sure I know what that means. What is that? Yeah, disinvestment for us is in all of the areas that we're working. It means that housing is not affordable, that we don't have a hospital in our community. It means that our children don't have access to a quality education. It means that um, violence is a symptom of all of the other economic challenges associated with not being able to earn a livable wage, with not having having uh, grocery stores and access to healthy food. So all of the things that many of us take for granted who are living in communities that have all of these things, or at least some of these things. I am uh, working and living in a community that is void of a lot of the things I just mentioned. And that is the disinvestment that we're talking about. Okay. Right. Chicago is a city that a couple years ago closed 50 schools at one time. Wow. And those schools were primarily located on the south and west sides, which, you know, are the sides of the city that have none or less of all of the things I've talked about. Yeah. 
Wow. All right. I'll let you go on from there. I, I stopped you with disinvestment because I thought, well, let's, let's hear the, the definition there. Um, so that's certainly that's one significant challenge. I mean, that, that's just enormous, but uh, carry on. I think that that challenge in itself produces uh, smaller challenges that are not small, but they exist inside of each of those areas. So when we think right now about housing, and I was just reading a statistic that said 2021 was the first year that we did not see an overall decrease in um, housing or homelessness among families. The idea that in America, we have families um, that are experiencing homelessness and we're not moving the needle on that. Mm. You know, this idea that um, we have exasperated the, the conditions of uh, healthcare, mm. right? And then if we think about all of our neighborhoods, communities across America that are thriving or not, who are experiencing the challenges of mental health, you know, associated um, with our current crisis. So we think about those things in our community and we are experiencing those challenges in ways that other resource communities are not. So we've got um, family housing, which, you know, is paramount in our minds. We've got access to health care. And then if you put on top of that, I'm living in Chicago. How do we not talk about the violence? How do we not talk about our young people whose lives are being sniffed out um, at an alarming rate? And so those are the challenges that we are facing um, that breakthrough really is on the front line of addressing. So, uh, I mean, to me, I, you know, you, I, and I imagine to many others, you hear that list, um, you hear someone like yourself run down that list, which is substantive. It is not a small or short list. And the things on that list are not small items. You know, yeah. you talk talking about um, food deserts, talking about no hospital or access to um, quality health care, let alone housing. And, you know, you, th those are significant items on that list. You know, where, where <laughs> I think people hear it and go, then where on earth do we begin? Um, where And I recognize that where people are living, that the list of issues may be uh, slightly different, or maybe one or two of those things is not on your list, whatever, but people are wondering, what, what do we do? And maybe another question is, why in America, hmm. we're not, um, why, why there are not more answers to this, why this is so difficult, why that the, the needle was not moved last year at all on the, the housing issue. Yeah, I think, you know, we start with understanding that the issues are complex, but the solutions are not. I think what has happened is we've um, saw this disinvestment for so long. It is the history of America. And we've got to just, we've got to grapple with that. The history of America really has created disinvestment, right? We, we came to a place that was already occupied. So you have to go back to our origin. And I know that those are difficult conversations, but they create the context for how we ended up here. Yes. And so we can talk about people taking responsibility for themselves. And we 
listen, we always talk about how we equip people to be prepared for opportunity when it presents itself. But the bottom line is that we have a history of disinvestment and displacement. And so if we're going to begin to, uh, to resolve that, we have to begin with understanding that mm. part of America's story. And owning, understanding and owning. And owning. And owning it. And I think from there as individuals, particularly for the body of Christ, we have to decide what is God calling me to? What is my responsibility? What is my area of faithfulness? And then we have to do it. Many of us are passionate about different things, whether it's food insecurity or um, homelessness, whatever the thing is, we have to educate ourselves on it. And we have to decide what our role is. Do I support financially? Because that that's all I'm able to do. That's the close proximity that I can offer. Do I do that and more? And what does more look like? Can I tutor? Um, can I press on my legislators to ensure that no community is without food, right? Whether it's, you know, pantries or grocery stores, and that every child has access um, to education that is quality, that will produce an opportunity for them to matriculate to the next level. If it's preschool, then darn it, everybody should be kindergarten ready. If it's high school, there should be vocational and college opportunities. So I think, you know, again, it is understanding in those areas that we take for granted. We moved out of a community and back into the city, a community that was well-resourced. Our community had everything it needed. And we, um, we decided to leave that so that we could move back and be in close proximity. And we understood the sacrifice that would require of our family um, to be yeah, not just not just you and your husband. You've got daughters right. that are in, going yes. to school. Yes, absolutely. And so I think that's the challenge for all of us is what is God calling us to in those areas? And, and how do we respond to that call? Yolanda, do you I cannot even imagine, um, uh, you know, you're recording a podcast with me uh, and and I'm sitting here listening to you thinking. I bet she has said this a million times over every interview, every meeting, every board meeting, every, you know, opportunity when you're with donors, you have said this, are you, how tired are you of saying this? Also, how do you keep emotion in check? I think I would be screaming. How, how do you, how do you, you manage that? Yeah, I, I do a lot of screaming. <laughs> Um, in your car or <laughs> I do. in my car, I do a lot of, a lot of shouting, a lot of singing, oh, excellent. Right. um, and praising and prayer, but it also is keeping things in perspective. I think about all of our lives and it's really just a blip in time. And so again, these are seeds that I am planting. And then there is a practical way that I think about it. So, you know, my mailbox, I don't know about the mailbox of anybody else is always flooded with ad papers. Those are the one thing that are certain that and bills. Yes. <laughs> so I am reminded as I get a pop up on the screen when I'm online or something in my mailbox that if retailers can tell the story 25 different ways in a week. Right. Our local grocery store 
they tell me every week that they're having a sale and they never tire of telling me that <laughs> there is a sale and to entice me. And so I am not, I'm not one bit tired mm. of telling the message that there are inequities that exist and it is the responsibility of all of us to respond no matter what that response is. And so in that regard, I'm reminded that I have to keep telling it. I have to keep sharing it um, so that we don't become desensitized to what is actually being experienced um, in marginalized areas like ours. Hmm. Is there, boy, I, I appreciate that. Um, and isn't that the truth? As soon as you said that about advertisers, you know, the, the grocery store, department stores, uh, I can name at least three right now that I get emails from multiple times a day, not yeah. multiple times a week. And you are right. And, and our story is to tell is way different and way more important than pulling someone in to buy some new piece of clothing or, you know, um, wow. Uh, Okay, I've got a couple more questions um, for you right now. And I don't know if this is the same nationwide and you might have probably do have perspective on this. Is there a number one issue that is just at the top of the heap right now? Yeah, May is mental health awareness month. And so I think for the body of Christ and for those who you know, are living life without him. I just cannot imagine the burden that you are facing with nowhere, you know, to place it. And so I think at the top of my mind are what are the things in life that help take the ease off of our minds mm. so that we can live well, right? It's, at the top of my mind, how do we ensure, to be honest, I'm thinking about these moms who are so stressed about providing formula oh, for their yeah. babies. Right. Right. Yep. So in our food pantry, it's, we don't have formula to give out. Right. And so it's, you know, how are people getting their basic needs met right now? That is exasperating to me. I cannot imagine trying to figure out not only where am I going to sleep tonight with my babies, but how am I going to provide food? And, you know, how do I figure out how the employment that I have that I'm required to show up to every day is not helping me meet my basic needs? And so I think those are the things that are paramount to me. And then if you add over those personal crises, the national crises that we are facing with two mass shootings in the month of May, right, in two different parts of the country, just things that I am so bewildered by that this is America. How could we be facing these kind of challenges and not have national solutions of and this is beyond politics, right? Even, you know, for for the faithful believers, what what is our response gonna be? And so I, I talk to people and I have sometimes thought this. Does my voice make a difference when I send that email? And and I will usually come down on the side of saying, 
uh, maybe not a single voice, but if mine stops, it won't be added to the many others. Or if I tell someone I've sent an email to my representative, maybe they will decide to do the same. And that does add up. The collective yeah. voice does matter. We know that the collective voice matters because that is the way of promoting the gospel, right? Mm -hmm. We have a biblical standard of what it looks like to have collective impact. He mm -hmm. sent them two by two. Yeah. And so when we Good. join our voices, you know, to the voices of others, we can just believe that those are seeds that are being planted yeah. that somebody else is going to water and God will give the increase for. Yep. Wow. Ooh, okay. Um, oh, and I had one more question. Well, oh, I know. I, I number one, I in the show notes, I will have the uh, website for Breakthrough Urban Ministries. But would you just say it for those that you know have their pen ready? Sure. You can find us at breakthrough.org, B R E A K T H R O U G H dot O R G. So folks, one of the things I want to say is, um, you might not be from Chicago. Um, I, I'm going to say a couple of things. One, it doesn't matter where you live. You can, uh, offer a donation to breakthrough.org, um, breakthrough urban ministries. But if you are in Chicago, it is a marvelous ministry in your own backyard to get involved with and to share with financially. Um, if you're anywhere around the globe, around the country, find your breakthrough in your area and get involved, whether it's through volunteering, um, giving gifts. I know we have a huge tutoring program at my church. Maybe you've got something like that going on at your church. Find a place to plug in. I am living in a community that has probably a little bit larger than average uh, retirement um, statistics or demographics, right? So um, retirees have time. And sometimes I've talked to a number of them that, uh, even are struggling with purpose. What might I do? I, I think the opportunities are endless and are out there. And yes, I know it is always good to get involved in something that where the spirit of God is tugging on your heart. Ask that question, you know, look at the gifts that you have, uh, some of your strengths from maybe when you were in the workplace step out and get involved and offer help, whether it's volunteering or giving money. Yolanda, maybe you can add on to that, please. Yeah, I think it's so important. You talked about purpose. And what I've learned uh, is that God does not play hide and go seek. And so he really wants us to know why he has created us and what things he would have us to do in various seasons of our lives. Because if we're honest, it changes. Um, the one thing I think is always true is that he's given us time, he's given us talent, and we all have treasures. And it is our responsibility to go to our graves with all of those things totally spent, right? That, I love that. That is my goal is just to be totally expended in that I go to the grave with nothing left. <laughs> Uh, and it doesn't mean you're not enjoying life along the way, because let me tell you, when you are giving and serving, um, the, the, the joy is um, surprisingly full. Uh, it, yes. 
There is so much joy in faithfulness, just knowing that we are doing good things, right? I I think sometimes we we feel like the small things that we're doing don't add up to anything, but this idea of not even knowing, you know, what is next or what your purpose is, then God, I think can be foiled by this idea. If I decide today to do one good thing while I'm on my way to great, because that's what we get when we're directly in his will, that you're doing good things. And none of us struggle with good things. I would love to have good things in my life um, and am certainly uh, overjoyed by the great things. But there is joy in just doing those good things. Yeah. Amen to that. Um, Yolanda, thank you for what you're doing in Chicago and for your faithfulness there at Breakthrough Urban Ministries, the great work that's happening there that will continue to happen and and the good work going on around our country. But all of these wonderful works, these places, people and organizations making a difference, they need others to come along. And I guess that's part of why I wanted you to, to be with us here today is just to encourage that, to encourage the audience that direction. And I certainly have felt that. And so thank you so much. Uh, Carry on, please carry on. Yolanda Fields, Executive Director of Breakthrough Urban Ministries. Um, If you have any thoughts on today's conversation, we'd love to hear from you. Producer at AnitaLustria.com is the website. And as always, I say, keep the conversation going.